Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host, and today we're going to be talking about centralizing your e-commerce data, your inventory and your order data, being able to, in essence, you know, manage inventory and orders across your different sales channels, your e-commerce websites, your marketplaces like Amazon, and so on and so forth. And with us today, we've got Costas from the Megaventory team. Um, Megaventory really works with um, a lot of that order management and inventory management. And so I'm going to be picking <laughs> picking your brain today, Costas. Would you do the honor actually of introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background? Yes. Uh, thank you, Robert, for the introduction. Uh, my name is uh, Costas Mamasis. Uh, I run Megaventory. I'm the CEO of Megaventory. Um, basically, uh, we are an application, a software as a service uh, that uh, manages uh, inventory uh, orders, uh, we handle purchase orders, sales orders, and um, uh, we do connect with uh, various sales channels as well, such as Magento, for example. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. Well, you know, our regular listeners and viewers are going to know what question is going to come next. I have to learn a little bit about the company name. How did you come to call the business Megaventory? Uh, well, uh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, actually. Uh, uh, we're in the business since 2000. I think that the, the, the domain name is registered uh, since 2007. So I don't really remember exactly how I came up with uh, with that name. But I have to tell you that uh, primarily uh, I was concerned about, you know, um, finding a good nom- domain name. So that, that was the, the top priority. Okay. So uh, um, having a, a domain name that sounded good, uh, was my top priority. Obviously, uh, probably was not the best option, but um, even at the time, it was really, really difficult back in 2007 to find an, a, an available domain name uh, for your company. So uh, I, I remember that they had uh, a few options, like, uh, you know, yeah. some options listed there, like five or ten. Uh, and, uh, and then I asked a few friends around, you know, what they thought, you know, what was best for, you know, a company name and uh, and, you know, Megaventer was, you know, that, that I would say the one that got the most uh, votes and it was available. So I, I took the domain name and uh, that's how it, uh, it became also, you know, the company name. Yeah. I can tell you from 2007 to now, you probably know as well as I do. It's, it's gotten so much harder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that yes. So many yes. names are, are just taken that, uh, that, but it's interesting that even then it was already a challenge finding the available name. Yes, um, I think now even uh, you know two or three word combinations, uh, uh, you cannot easily find a domain name, a domain name like that. Um, you, you need to, uh, you know, spend a significant amount of money f- to find a, a good uh, domain name. Yeah, well, you know, fun challenges for for new and growing brands and folks that are rebranding. So the the merchants that you're running into, so they've got a some kind of an e-commerce platform as the maybe the core of their business, uh, at least of their, their online sales, where else do you see them also focused? Um, you know, are there, are there other places, other 
you know, marketplaces and things that, that you see them commonly selling through? Uh, well, yes. Uh, most of them, they sell through Amazon. I have to say the, you know, the, the, the huge percentage of these uh, clients are selling through Amazon. Uh, now, our client base is also, um, you know, also focuses on, on B2B. Uh, and there, there are a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, small uh, companies that offer um, uh, B2B solutions. Uh, like they offer, you know, uh, they, they upload, you know, the, your products uh, in a catalog form online so that, uh, you know, that your, your um, B2B clients can, can have a look on, on your products and then order online. And they have uh, a few tools um, that are really attractive to, to wholesale businesses, you know, different pricing structures and stuff. So uh, that's another aspect, of course. I mean, if, if the, you know, the company is into B2B, that's uh, a very good way to, uh, to attract more, uh, more clients. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I see, uh, Amazon, uh, of course, for retail, uh, and, uh, you know, smaller apps that handle your, your uh, product catalog for, for B2B. This is what we are, uh, actually looking. Running into the most. That's yes. interesting. And, you know, a lot of retailers don't always realize what the growth in B2B e-commerce has been like in recent years. But, you know, especially as people weren't at trade shows and as, uh, you know, there's less interest in waiting to get a catalog for the season or fax in an order or however yes, people were it, doing it, it that, that this all has been going electronic one way or another. It is also interesting because, you know, um, I mean, businesses, they don't realize that, you know, B2C and B2B are not... M- much different i have to say i mean uh, if you from a business perspective yes okay uh but from a technical standpoint uh, you know getting your business ready for b2b uh, it can be something as uh, small as possible like you know adding uh, a, a, an extension a plugin to your existing for example magento store or to your existing woocommerce store so from a technical standpoint it does not take much you know to start with b2b okay there are tools out there you know that they can help you out with that yeah it's interesting you know with magento specifically i know that aheadworks has a lot of extensions for b2b i you know that the nuances that it is so similar at the heart of it you've got a product catalog you've got orders you've got you know inventory being managed you've got customer data um that you know and all the interactions start at the same baseline it's really nuance beyond that so it's different you know different payment providers uh you know maybe financing or or other things you know that are more b2b focused different freight shipping in some cases uh and and options there in in the checkout dealing with different user accounts where maybe you know there's uh, uh an overarching account that um that maybe uh you know the approver you know the the person making the approval within a business gets gets to see or someone in billing might access just to get the invoicing in the core of it essentially we are talking about you know managing uh stock maybe you know pricing layers but in the core of it 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 is the same actually yeah you know so yes at that point you know it's really it's some nuance it's some integrations i know that a lot of the SaaS platforms have a hard time with that because they don't have as much of that flexibility for exactly. some of those those front end features and things that uh that some of the open source platforms really cater to 
but um, but it, it is interesting. Even things like sales tax, you know, making it easy for shoppers to be tax exempt uh, if they provide the right certificate or information. You know, that those little little bits sorting that through can be extremely important in B2B. But functionality wise that let's say building a retail Magento store versus building a, a wholesale store um, or, you know, something for a distributor. It, there's a limited amount of customization on top that it's finite. <laughs> um, yeah. So absolutely true. And, you know, thinking about some of the the back of the house operations, and I know that's where, where your team, um, you know, has even more focus. What types of fulfillment challenges do you see these businesses having as they're trying to fulfill orders coming in from different sales channels? Is it setting reserve inventory. So if they sell too much over here, they don't also sell it over there. Um, What's happening um, in in the inventory management and the fulfillment that's that's really making it hard? Is it identifying which orders to prioritize? Is it, you know, making sure that that the orders coming in from Amazon aren't, aren't sitting while the orders from the website are being fulfilled or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, uh, well, first of all, this is a, an excellent question. And uh, um, uh, usually, you know, when I do uh, demonstrations of our products, uh, uh, I have, you know, similar concerns from the people that I'm demonstrating the product to, you know, business owners and uh, and um, operations managers. Um, but um, this is a very, the truth is that this is a very business specific question, uh, you know, and, and the answer can be, um, um, complex even with uh, one sales source, right? So, for example, I mean, the most usual case is that um, what businesses are doing is to prioritize the fulfillment uh, of orders based on the order date, okay? So that's the most usual case. Uh, however, in, in many cases, orders may contain items, for example, that, you know, that they, they expire. So orders containing such products need to be uh, shipped first, right? Or uh, in another example, a business may choose to fulfill the uh, B2B orders first because because of a contractual agreement. Uh, or in another example, a business may choose to ship out the orders with high value first. So, uh, you know, there's no uh, um, an there's answer. There's no one answer, but it sounds like businesses need to make concrete decisions on how to prioritize. Uh, well, yes, yes. Uh, the, 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 you know, the business logic... Uh, should be there, okay, uh, but also the, the the tool should allow you to you know to simulate the logic uh, into the tool. Uh, and you know on top of the things that I mentioned before, if you add multiple sales channels into the equation, right the solution gets more and more and more complicated, you know um, So uh, the, the the solution is, uh, in my point of view to to have a tool that allows you, to, uh, to, to, you know, transfer your business, the business logic into, the, you know, the application. And you may have a business logic, for example, you know, that says, okay, uh, I, I, I need to fulfill first, you know, the Amazon orders, for example, or the Magento orders, or, you know, mm-hmm. I need to fulfill, you know, the first, the orders of, you know, that huge client, uh, because I have a contract with them. So, you know, whichever order that I get, I need to fulfill that immediately. And you need to be able to, uh, to, 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 to simulate, you know, that business logic. Uh, 
And that's the difficulty. And uh, one of the things that we do uh, in Megaventory, because we have identified that problem, you know, uh, and um, what we are doing is uh, we we have a, a, a module and uh, we call that uh, list views, all right? So what we are doing is that uh, we uh, create these views based on uh, um, uh, a multitude of conditions so that each business can simulate exactly the exact physical operation and the business logic that they want to have, okay? So, uh, for example, uh, you can create a view to uh, list only the sales orders that originate from Magento, for example. Uh, or you can create a view that, uh, you know, uh, list only the sales orders that are yet unfulfilled, still unfulfilled, uh, originate from Magento, and, um, uh, you know, they are placed from client XYZ, you know. Uh, so you can create this, uh, these views, uh, these order views, uh, and, um, uh, Another thing that we do is that you can assign views to uh, people inside the uh, the organization, the business, so that uh, you know its its uh, user will will see uh, a very uh, specific dashboard of these views, uh, and people can work in parallel, and this user can have uh, you know their own set of views. Uh, so, uh, even though there is not a single answer to that uh, question, uh, I think that. The, the backend tool that uh, uh, someone will use must must be able to accommodate, you know, uh, the business logic that the business would like to, to apply for order fulfillment. Yeah, basically, it shouldn't be left up to whoever the shipping clerks are, what have you, to to sort out at, at their no, desk. No, uh, you definitely know, not. Backend I mean, systems. I mean, if you are dealing with ten orders a day, uh, you know. Everything is possible, you know, the flexibility is huge. But if you are dealing with a hundred uh, or even a thousand or more orders a day, everything needs to be organized. So that's, you know, that's uh, the difficulty, you know. Economies of scale. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I had some some thoughts, you know, things that I wanted to tackle that were really timely with you. I know that in the last couple of years, we've seen all these supply chain issues. We've seen that just-in-time inventory, keeping just the right amount for what you need and no more on hand can get you into a lot of trouble because, <laughs> you know, when supply chains break down, whether you're a manufacturer and you can't get more raw goods or whether um, whether you're a retailer and you can't get more finished goods, whatever the case may be, um, you know, we've seen the weakness of that kind of, of solution. But at the same time, it's very hard to overinvest into inventory, especially you mentioned things that might expire or that, um, that that might not hold up as well over expanded periods of time or that just may not be in high enough demand long term that you can't always know what the market's going to want, you know, what consumers are going to want. So has the technology gotten better at forecasting and determining how much inventory you should have on, on hand, when to reorder, how much to reorder? Uh, well, there is a lot of hype uh, lately about you know using AI in forecasting, uh, and I have to say yes, there are results. Okay, um, I'm not an expert in in uh, forecasting. I have seen some uh, demonstrations of forecasting software using uh, AI, and I have also seen demonstrations of forecasting software. You know that they use the traditional um, uh, mathematic formulas. You know for for forecasting, um, and uh, there's a huge research area 
uh, I, I have to say that I'm not really convinced, convinced that AI uh, is, uh, is a tool that can be used for forecasting. Uh, I, I think that traditional methods, at least for now, they work uh, better. Okay. Uh, of course, you know, AI is, uh, you know, is a catchy name. Uh, so it sells better. But I think that, you know, that traditional forecasting, uh, algorithms and models, they, they work, uh, nicely, I have to say. And there are a lot of, uh, applications out there, you know, that they offer forecasting, uh, uh, tools, software as a service as well, but also, you know, uh, again, it depends again on the, the economy of scale. I mean, uh, it's different, for example, for Boeing to, to forecast inventory than, you know, a small shop with, uh, hundreds of items. Um, so, uh, I have to say that I would stick to, uh, you know, uh, the traditional forecasting models for now, um, um, until, you know, we, we, we see something, uh, you know, from uh, uh, the artificial intelligence side of things that really is a leap forward. Look, I always feel good when software companies tell me that the computers aren't taking over yet. But <laughs> well, I mean, when it comes to computer... Yeah. I mean, when it comes to computer vision problems, uh, then, you know, AI is really, uh, you know, is taking over the world there. Uh, but in forecasting... Yeah, well, it's not, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think that the traditional models that exist, you know, the mathematical models are are, are, uh, are solving the problem uh, in an adequate manner uh, for now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have seen interesting technology out there, things that that help in different ways with, with some of the that predictability, perhaps if it if it knows that the, that it's rainy in a certain area, you know, to switch the products that are being displayed on the website to, you know, to use more of that personalization to show that shopper something that might interest them more <laughs> given the weather. Yeah, it's, it's uh, all about, you, you know, pattern recognition. So that's, that's yeah. what it's about. You know, if there is a pattern in, in your historical sales, uh, uh, then AI can help, yes. Uh, but that pattern, you know, uh, traditional uh, forecasting methods can also, you know, uh, fit into that pattern. That's why I'm saying, yeah, well, for being for able to determine that people are going to start hoarding toilet paper, I, I don't, I don't expect the AI to fully predict that one e yet either. So I think some of these things, <laughs> you know, there are challenges that are surmountable, and then there are some that are just fringe. That uh, <laughs> that there's just so much that we can do about them, um, yeah. but. I'll switch the, the the conversation a little bit toward pricing because I know that related to a lot of this fluctuation on market, it, it's been getting harder to monitor cost fluctuations. You know, especially for those that are more on the B two B side, more on the manufacturing and uh, and and earlier in the cycle. But just in general, that the cost of goods, even for retailers, is changing a lot. You know, fuel prices, other things fueling it. Um, you know, supply chain challenges fueling that. Uh, has it become harder for these businesses to maintain their healthy profit margins? Is it, you know, because I know that, you know, the the average retailer isn't necessarily changing their prices on a, a, an hour by hour or daily or sometimes even, you know, weekly basis that a lot of the times, you know, that the cost of, of that shirt 
or whatever it may be is pretty static in the catalog. Um, have pages. you found that that's also another challenge they're trying to address that they need to be a little bit more on top of these more more frequent fluctuations and you know uh, that, are, that are being caused by you know inflation and all these other pressures? Well, I think that uh, there are two questions uh, there. One is okay: are, are they are they being able to cope with uh, the price changes? You know, uh, uh, the purchase prices that uh, that change continuously, and, and you know. Uh, it depends if you are a small company. Uh, you have, you know, a few vendors that you buy from. It's difficult to to look for new ones. It's difficult to negotiate. It's difficult, uh, you know, to switch suppliers continuously. Uh, uh, for a small business, yes, it's difficult. But a small business uh, um, should also understand, uh, you know, what the profit margin is and should be able to track that. Uh, so a good software, for example, should should report on the on the gross profit margins, you know, so that you can make business decisions. Uh, now, another aspect is, but of course, you know, this is a bit of a, an advanced, uh, you know, topic. But I, but uh, you know, if if uh, you start to grow and then you have access to many suppliers and and then you can purchase the same products from different suppliers, uh, then you need you know, something to, to gather the price information from, from, from these suppliers so that you can make up, you know, your decision where to buy from. Uh, and that was one of the main challenges that, uh, and the opportunities actually that we saw when we started the company, uh, that was a, a, a core offering at the time, back in 2008, when we first launched the first uh, version of, of the, of, of the application was, how do we connect, you know, many suppliers to, to the product so that we can have like price availability and, uh, and lead time information there so that, you know, somebody that's creating a purchase order can understand where to purchase from. So one thing is, you know, again, to, to, to understand, you know, uh, uh, the basics, which is, you know, the, the gross profits and the margins. And, you know, as you start to grow, you must have access to tools that, uh, you can use in order to compare these prices and, you know, uh, make up your mind for what it's best for your business, where to buy from, you know, that, that for example, that supplier ships faster, but it's more expensive. Uh, and if you think about it, a, a real challenge is also, um, how to gather all that information, how to connect the system of, of your supplier to your system so that you have real-time pricing information. Uh, and that's another, you know, topic for discussion. So through API, okay, and how, how do these APIs get connected, you know? And now, as you know, we have uh, applications that offer API connectivity, such as Zapier, right? Uh, which I think it's, it's, it's a great idea because, uh, you know, uh, you can connect different platforms together. So you can have, let's say, you know, um, the, the system of your supplier, uh, uh connected together with uh, the, the backend system you're using. Uh, so, uh, I think that technology is getting better at that in, in uh, you know, providing options to small merchants so that they can, uh, have all that information together so that they can, uh, you know, uh, make better business decisions, essentially. That's what's about it. Yeah. And it's what we all do anytime that we're on Amazon. There might be a hundred people 
you know, 100 businesses selling that set of headphones or that razor or whatever it is, sunglasses, you know, whatever you could come up with. Yeah. And it, we're trying to pick the one that's selling it the cheapest with the best, uh, you know, quality control, the best reviews, and it's going to ship it the fastest in a lot exactly. of cases that's got the prime delivery or whatever, you know, and now just applying that same thought process to the back end. Um, you know, but to, what, to what dealing you, with your inventory and such. The, the problem is that, okay, when we're doing that in Amazon, we're searching for one item okay, or maybe two or three items. You know, businesses, they do that for hundreds of items. So the problem is not that simple. You know, imagine if they have to spend, you know, like 10 or 20 minutes to look for the best price from the best merchant uh, and multiply that by you know, by 50 or, or, or 100 so that you can have a PO ready. So the problem, again, it's economy of scale. I mean, uh, for us, it's easy, uh, but for a business, it's really difficult, especially, you know, if you have to pass that PO through an approval uh, stage. So, yeah. And yeah, so it is interesting. And I know that the last few things we've been talking about are really driven around the data and the analytics and, I know that that's where a lot of the improvement comes in on the merchant side, that it's it's listening to your data. It's having the data, having it centralized um, and, and actually acting upon it. Are there other data points that you find that merchants are often not paying enough attention to or want more access to, but haven't figured out how to, how to get at it or how to make it actionable? Um, I know it's a bit of an open-ended question, but um, is there something else there other than, you know, what we've talked about here in, um, in some of the, the, the inventory management and ordering and pricing and such that you find um, th that's often sort of left on the table or, or often, you know, high on that list of desired improvement for these merchants? Uh, well, I have to say that I see a lot of uh, businesses that uh, have only an e-commerce background, they t tend to not pay attention to the purchasing side of things because, you know, that usually... Uh, most bis small businesses, they start with, uh, you know, they have a, uh, an idea and then they want to uh, upload, uh, you know, a catalog of products online so that they can start selling. Uh, and they do that and they start with that and th there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the, I mean, uh, and they get used to the idea of uploading, uh, you know, a product catalog and then uh, uh, sell online. Uh, however, I see that they, you know, after a year or two, they, they need a backend system. And, and, uh, the, the first thing that I think they are amazed with is, um, the, the way a backend system can, um, can report on the costs. Okay. They, they, they basically bring, uh, the, all the purchasing, uh, part of the business, um, and they manage it with, with a tool. Now, when they do that, immediately they have real-time access to the inventory, but also uh, because they they uh, create their POs and their bills with a backend tool, they have um, a, a, a real-time view on their costs and profits and their inventory value. And I think that's, uh, that is what is missing uh, um, from businesses that operate online only and they they you know they never they've never used a, a backend tool okay? and they, they have only used for example magento um, so when they bring a backend tool uh, uh, in 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 their business uh, I, I think um, it opens up a new world for them because uh, they they can see you know reports that uh, they were not 
able to see before. Yes, they could see revenues, but they could not see uh, accurate costs. Okay, so they could not have the the, the profits accurately reported. Uh, so that that's what I see. You know, again, from businesses coming from um, from an e-commerce background only. Yeah, and look, you know, a lot of people get into e-commerce and they have a passion for. Uh, you know, for selling product, for marketing product, that the back of the house, I agree with you that operations can be, especially as you scale, um, can be more challenging that often these are operations that they've never uh, dealt with at scale in the same way. I mean, look, you know, JetRails, we deal with this because, you know, we provide the what they're looking for on the web hosting where they don't want to be tech companies. They don't want to be dealing with the security and the performance and all that. They want someone like us that, that's going to come in and manage it. Um, their passion isn't around servers and Linux and web hosting. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, I mean, and so we find that it's the same when it comes to a lot of that, um, that uh, backend functionality and operation that um, it's not always as, uh, as exciting, but it's absolutely, you know, what helps, what helps that growth trajectory and to make all that, that efficiency possible. Well, uh, I mean, the the key element here uh, is that you know, if 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 you scale, everything is different. Everything, uh, and um, you know, it's it's not a one size fits all um, uh, operation for when it comes to supply chain management and and order fulfillment, for example. Uh, businesses operate uh, differently, so uh, and. I mean, that's the way it works and it, it will always work like that. And, um, uh, and, um, f- for businesses to cope with, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, the demand that is growing, they, they, they need to change their tools. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, the tools change usually when people change as well, you know, uh, because, uh, when you start a business, you don't really have experience in which tool to use for backend management, you know. Uh, so you need to bring somebody in to, to, to assist you with that. Um, so, uh, you know, as you grow, you need to change your tools. And, uh, of, of course, you need to allocate resources. Uh, because as I said before, I mean, receiving 10 orders a day is, is different than receiving a thousand orders a day. And it's an entirely different scenario. And you always have to, uh, to evaluate the processes again. And so it's, a it's a process that uh, never ends. You know, you you always have to optimize uh, and changing the tools according to to the to the uh, the level that uh, you you have currently, and then again you reevaluate in the future. So it's a it's a periodic uh, um, process. It never ends. Yeah. No, it, it never ends. I think that's. Uh, you know, and and that's business that I think you know a lot of people like to think that businesses that have some root in technology that they're static, but I don't care whether it's the marketing and now, you know, there's new channels like TikTok or whether, wherever you go, wherever exactly. you look at in the industry, I could keep, you know, touching on that, that, that there's optimization and that there are leaders that are pulling us all forward. So, you know, Amazon tells people that, oh, look, you know, if you order now, you'll have it by such and such a time. Well, now shoppers want to see that on other websites. Well, and, you cannot you know, be a lot static. of these, these things. We have that's, to that's, keep up with it, consumer expectation. It boils down to you cannot be static. Uh, you, you always need to keep moving and uh, finding new tools to run your business and finding new opportunities 
and finding you know good talent. Uh, a business cannot be static. If if you're static, you you will die after a few years. That's uh, yeah. that's a rule. Well. And, and on that happy note, um, before we, we wrap it up, um, I, I know we've really just thrown some some good, you know, high level thoughts at, at the, the listeners and viewers. But anything else that you want to add, anything that we we didn't quite touch on today or um, that, that you're sort of speaking of forecasting that you're seeing in the near future that, that you think that uh, people should have on their mind? Uh, well, uh... I think that it was it was a great conversation, actually. Uh, I, I, you know, there are a lot of topics that we can uh, dig deeper, but uh, I think at a high level, it was a, a very good conversation. I don't think that we left uh, out something. Um, hey, that, I take that as a personal win. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I, I did something right today, right? Um, don't tell my wife. Um, but, <laughs> uh, well, on that note, um, Costas, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Um, for our listeners and viewers, as always, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy, and happy selling out there. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it, and more importantly, we appreciate you.